Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. COPD, otherwise known as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a serious lung condition that in a lot of people is progressive and can actually make them feel like they have a very hard time either getting in a deep breath or exhaling. And that can affect how you function at any point during the day. Well, here to tell us some more is Val Chang. She is the founder of the Hawaii COPD Coalition that not only helps to promote educational opportunities and supports groups throughout the islands, but also has an upcoming free conference where you're going to hear a little bit about what are some of the realities of COPD and some of the latest treatments that are out there that have some new exciting benefits for patients at any age who get this diagnosis. So thank you for joining me today in the studio, Val. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And one of the things I love talking about and I get to talk about during this conference is traveling because the world is opening up again and we can do it more safely or more dangerously. I personally like staying healthy and I like the idea that we can marshal our resources to be as safe as possible for ourselves and our loved ones. Well, you're absolutely right. The world has opened up. People are traveling more during COVID times. There was a lot more of the stay-at-home order. And particularly those people with lung disease were often told in per- they have to be very careful because if they get infected, this could cause some serious problems. Now, given that, let's just make sure that every un- everyone understands exactly what sort of condition we're talking about. So COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, This is a lung condition that people get, and there's often a couple of reasons why they might get it. What are some of the common reasons why people would develop COPD? Well, there is a hereditary component, um, and we always encourage everyone, which the American Thoracic Society suggests, that everyone that has chronic obstructive pulmonary disease get tested to see if they have the the known genetic forms, which is alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. And that has slightly different treatments, and it can also cause liver problems. So it's really important that people that have disease, especially when they're younger, get tested so that they can make sure that they get all the treatments that they should. And if they have it, they might want to have their loved ones also get tested because it is a hereditary thing. They are trying to do more research with spiromics and COPD gene to try to figure out other hereditary uh, linkages for COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's like asthma, sort of, but as you know, asthmatics can win gold medals. Um as long as they pre-treat and they, you know, take care of things. But with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, it's almost like an asthmatic, except you can take all the treatments possible, but you never quite feel like you did before you had this problem. You feel like somehow you're breathing through a straw all the time instead of with regular full nostrils and clean air. 
Now, smoking plays a role in COPD. Yes, definitely. And we know that a lot of folks who get diagnosed with this, there's a minority that may have a genetic component. There's another minority that may have no risk factors. There's some that might get it as an evolution of another medical condition of their lungs. And then there's the smokers. And environmental, too. I mean, we're very concerned about people possibly from fires, like the fires on Maui, the 9-11 responders, all of those people, they have exposure. And some people have exposures from work, you know, firefighters are at higher risk and those kinds of people. But yes, smoking is a very high risk, whether it's electronic or traditional tobacco products. And that's why we think it's really important that the Hawaii legislature has finally decided they're going to help regulate electronic smoking devices because they recognize it's a huge health risk, public health risk. Well, and we did hear from uh, Joshua Cheng just a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how there were some issues regarding how, you know, a lot of the people who start with electronic cigarettes, whether they're attracted because of flavoring or a variety of different elements, they often turn into someone who either continues with electronic cigarettes or they're significantly more likely to start to smoke what are called combustible cigarettes, the traditional sort of tobacco-based product that we think about. So, Or do both. Or do both. There you go. Do both. <coughs> so we know that smoking is a risk factor. The symptoms of COPD that people have most often may lead them to go see their doctor. And those symptoms might be having trouble breathing, feeling breathless, having a cough that just doesn't seem to go away. Having mucus that doesn't go away. You keep having mucus every day for three months, two years in a row. That's chronic bronchitis. And so what sort of test might someone need to ask their provider for if they're concerned about having COPD? Yeah, there is a very simple, non-painful test. It's called spirometry. Um, They might do it in their own office, or they might send you to a pulmonary function lab. There are pulmonary function labs at all the major hospitals. And the test can take you know, a few minutes, 15, 20 minutes, or it can take two hours, depending on how much coaching you need. The, there, there is a trained respiratory therapist that works with you to make sure that you do all the steps properly so that they get the best possible results. Now, you've also been participating in some of the support groups that go on throughout the islands. And I'm curious, from the time that someone expresses symptoms to when they get the official diagnosis, when you hear from people who are in these support groups, was there a significant lag in time when they go, you know, I had symptoms for a few years, then I finally went to my doctor and we tried some things, and then we finally did spirometry. Do you find that there's sort of a a lag in diagnosis? Because Often, yes. I look at it with some of the patients I see, and, you know, we'll see them a couple of times over the course of a few months, and I'll be like, you know, maybe we ought to do some lung testing. But it may not be the first thing that comes to mind when someone comes in with a cough. Yeah, a lot of times the first thing people do is get heart workups, and they, they see, you know, maybe you're short of breath because your heart is causing problems. And they do this complete heart workup, and, oh, no, your heart's good. And then they start looking for other causes. And actually, you can have both. You can have heart problems and lung problems. And sometimes they just stop when they find one and they're done. 
You know, that's very true. I think sometimes we forget that there can be a multifactorial explanation for things. And sometimes if we hear the one diagnosis, we might just stop there. And in fact, there could be other concurrent medical conditions that are going on. So you bring up a, a very good point. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm talking with Val Chang. She is the founder of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what are some of the symptoms and what are some of the basic treatments and how to make travel safe. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Valerie Chang. She's the founder and the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And we're talking about this condition because this is very important for people to recognize. There may be a delay if somebody has some pulmonary symptoms and they don't seek care or they wait for their cough to go away and it just seems to never do that, that they may actually have an underlying lung condition that is causing troubles that can be progressive. And there are some ways that we can try and reduce the rate of progression of this lung condition. So right before the break, we were talking about some of the risk factors, genetic, environmental, occupational, smoking as a recreational activity. And we talked a little bit about how you get diagnosed with this condition. Now, you've been the recipient of a diagnosis like this, and you know how it feels to go from, I feel great, to what's going on, to what do you mean I have this lung condition? What did that feel like? It's, it's really scary um, because you always hear, it's fatal. Oh, no. Oh, no. I got to get my affairs in order and all of that. But actually, there are many of us that live pretty full and active lives. I travel about 30,000 miles a year. I do most of the things I want to do. There are a few things I have to do differently or slower, and it does take more planning. But pretty much most things I want to do, I can still do. Now, one of the treatments for this may be inhalers. And that's a mainstay of treatment that has evolved over the last couple of years of a variety of different types of inhalers, but they help people to be able to get in and also exhale the air that they're taking in more effectively. You've used inhalers. Have you ever, have you ever used it incorrectly? Like when you think about when you first started, I remember seeing people demonstrate how they use their inhaler in my office, and I just started in medicine. And, you know, I used to see people like puff it in the air and just trying to catch it. And, and it was hard because I had never used an inhaler. So to try and demonstrate this for them was a little more in the difficult for me until, you know, I tried to get one that didn't have any medicine in it so that I could show them. But there's a bit of coordination that, re that is required. Yeah. And actually, they have so many different ones now that it's really confusing. There's dry powder inhalers. There's soft mist inhalers. There's um, the traditional inhalers. The traditional inhalers that, are, that people call puffers, you can use a spacer with, which is like a, a little tube. And you use that so that more of the medicine goes in your lungs and less goes in your throat and mouth and cause side effects. So there are, the, the good thing is if one inhaler, you, you just can't really get it, People can ask you or, or their doctor and say, you know, can we try a different one? Because I'm having a hard time coordinating this and making sure I'm getting it. And it does, I don't, 
feel like I'm getting any benefit from it. Well, and I have to tell you, there's more than one kind of spacer. Yes, I did not realize this. When my husband had to use an inhaler, he's like, I was told to get a spacer. And I said, oh, it's real simple. This is what it is. And he went, well, I found there's like 10 different ones. I'm like, are you kidding? So there's a lot of different spacers now. So making sure you're using it correctly may require additional equipment. But once you get good at it, you really do well with that. Right. And you should be able to, sometimes it takes like a few weeks, but you should be able to tell the difference when you've taken your medicine and when you haven't. And you, it was really weird when I took one medicine, I could actually feel it wearing out. Mm. And it was supposed to last 12 hours, but after about eight hours, I was like, it's kind of worn off. I can I can feel it. It was like it was slowly draining, you know, like how when you have a, a pail of sand and you're draining it and all of a sudden it's just about gone and you're like, but it's not 12 hours. Well, that gets to another issue, which I think is often going, going unsaid. And that's the fact that, you know, a lot of times there's this one-size-fits-all approach to medications. And some medicines get metabolized different by certain people. There's liver variations, ethnic variations, kidney variations, general metabolism variations. And so very often we think it does one thing and it should work this way and it's supposed to work 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever the case may be. And your personal type of reaction with that medication might be different. And there's size variations. I mean, a lot of the people in the clinical trials are heavier than a typical Asian woman. I mean, they might be 300 pounds because there are a lot of older VA people because they're a handy sample. And, you know, 100, 125, 150 pound Asians are considerably lighter and we may metabolize things differently. Yeah, there's certainly been a lot of studies looking at the efficacy of medication based on metabolic parameters that I don't think we recognize clinically in medicine as often as we should. So beyond the use of inhalers, there are some other things that you've had to do to make traveling safe. So sometimes people have to bring oxygen with them when they're going on planes. And that can be sort of a difficult thing to arrange. What's been your experience, either yourself or through some of the people in the support groups you've heard from, if they get to the point where they need to carry oxygen when they travel? So the best thing to do is always make sure you check with your provider and you know, ask them, what do they suggest for you specifically? And especially if you're not sure whether or not you might need it, even though you don't need oxygen, say walking around the mall and whatever, you're wondering, would I need it if I'm going on an airplane? And especially if I'm going to stay at altitude, I'm going to go skiing, I'm going to go to Denver, I'm going to go visit the mountains, whatever. And just talk to your doctor and the doctor can do what they call a six-minute walk test and walk around with you and make sure you will be safe because nobody wants you to have an air emergency that makes the flight have to get changed. Um, if the doctor decides you need oxygen, they can work with you and help you find a company here in Hawaii that can help you make arrangements on wherever you're going, your destination, and also work with the airlines to help you figure out, you know, if the airlines has a partner or there are companies that are happy to partner with various airlines. 
Actually, I just bought my machine just because I didn't want to deal with any of that. And that's another option. So you have a machine, you bring it with you in your travel. That's part of your planned preparation in advance. Yes. And then I bring my batteries and then I know all of my equipment works and it will work the way I expect it. And there's no surprises. And if people rent it, they should try to get it a little before their trip so that they can make sure everything's working the way they expect and there's no surprises. Always important. Try it out before you go somewhere adventurous so that you know if everything works. Yes. All right. Now, is that one of the things that you said can help you make travel safe? Yes. And actually, before I even bought tickets, I would always call the airlines and make sure I fill out all the paperwork they want because each airline has the right to choose whatever paperwork they want. And unfortunately, they don't all choose the same form. And if you use a form that they don't like, it can make life more challenging. And I, you don't need challenges when you're traveling. Are there other things you do to help make sure that your travel arrangements go smoothly? Do you fly at a different time of day? Do you try and fly and keep a certain type of seat or make sure you're sitting next to someone you know? Or what other things have you had to do to help make it safe? I think everyone likes to fly nonstop. Flying with as few stops as possible or nonstop is ideal because you don't want to stop all over the place. Every time you stop, there's more chances that something may occur when you're you're stopped and who knows you don't want to be stranded in a strange airport or anywhere else um and it does help if you ask to be seated closer to the front so you don't have to trek your your oxygen all the way to the back of the plane and you know risk bumping into people with all your gear um, travel light if you can, because you're already going to have to carry your medicines and your oxygen. Um, and just plan for everything to take longer than you expect. Very true. And also be close enough to the bathroom you can get there. Yeah. And, and just pack a sense of humor because... <laughs> Bring it on your carry-on no. and check it in. Yes, okay. things can happen. And if, if, if you can find the funny side, you know, it just makes it a little better. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the ways that people can get educated if they have questions about COPD or if they or a loved one have this diagnosis. Where could they learn more? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kosek, and I'm here today with the head and founder of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, Val Chang. And we are talking today about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. What does this condition feel like? What are some of the ways that people might know that they have it? How they can live a happy, productive life even with this condition? And how do they learn more if they're trying to support someone they love who might have this diagnosis? So, We've talked a little about travel. We've talked a little bit about inhalers and medication. There may be some strain on family members if someone they love has this diagnosis. And so what are some of the ways that people in the family can help support their loved one who might be suffering from COPD? 
Well, one of the best things to me, knowledge is power. And the more you know, the more you can help demystify it for yourself and your loved ones and your patient, because the unknown is really scary. Um, and fortunately, there have been a lot of advances in the 23 years since I was diagnosed. Um, there are a lot better treatments and people aren't saying, well, you know, plan your funeral anymore so much. I mean, they were when I was diagnosed and now they're like, okay, well, let's move on. I mean, you're no different than you were before you got diagnosed, except now you know what you're treating and now you can get better treatment. So let's move forward. So I think it's good to be around supportive people and our support group is one of one such resource and our education day, which we're having on September 8th, uh, 2023 at Queens Conference Center and also on Zoom. Um, we're doing it as a hybrid so that people from wherever can participate. And we do have people internationally and nationally that have signed up. And we're very excited. And we're happy that the local people can see the exhibits and get to, you know, talk more one-on-one. -on -one, but we're happy that at least we can serve people nationally and internationally if they choose to participate. What sort of things might someone learn at the conference? Well, I think one of the things you're going to talk about is myths. There's so many myths about COPD. Um, and trying to redirect the conversation so that it's actual facts instead of all the bad baggage that has come along with it. Um, we're also going to talk about traveling because people are traveling and we want people to travel as healthily as they can. Uh, we're going to talk about pulmonary rehabilitation, which is one of the best treatments that you can possibly have. And it's even offered live in Oahu. And um, there are some really exciting um, movements to have it virtual as well. And we'll mention that in passing. And then there's also going to be a talk by Dr. Crowley about the new and exciting treatments, including valves, which are very, very minimally invasive so that you don't have to have, you know, your chest cut open or anything, but it can really help improve breathing for the well-selected patients that benefit from it. So it sounds like it's going to run the gamut from, you know, the traveling that we've talked about today, some of the facts about COPD. We have some great folks who take care of patients with this who are going to actually talk a little bit about what are the most common questions people ask and why do they ask that? And a lot of times people look stuff up on the Internet. And, you know, I just saw a patient earlier today and she asked me something and said, but this is what, when I looked it up on Google, this is what they told me. Dr. Google always <laughs> has well, an answer, right or wrong. It you has know, an answer. Right or wrong. And these days, I have, to, I have to say, I've seen it veer more towards correct than initially when it was really hard to know exactly what sort of medical information you were getting. At least now prioritized are some of the sources that tend to have a little bit more credibility when talking about medical issues. But it always brings up questions. You know, not everybody has the worst case scenario diagnosis. You mentioned 23 years ago, it kind of mirrors 
how long I've been in medicine. And so, you know, I've seen things change over the last two decades and more and seen how we approach things differently. And we have different parameters for various conditions. So it's nice to know that there has been some advancement in medicine and to be able to see that and hear that and know what the latest is. You know, I find it fascinating. Pulmonary rehab, it's kind of like cardiac rehab. If you have a problem with your heart, generally, as long as it's safe, exercise is going to help you. But the same thing goes with your lungs. If you have a problem with your lungs, generally, exercise is going to help you. But there are some things you have to watch out for. You can't push it too hard. You can't get yourself to a situation where you can't even catch your breath. There are some professional people who can train you how to do what's called diaphragmatic breathing, really using that muscle of your diaphragm to help you with your breathing, almost like singers need to do, because they need to be able to help support their air and help to manifest sound in that case. In this case, it's just you know oxygen transfer. So there's some great information that I think people don't realize. There's a lot that people can empower to do themselves, whether it be breathing differently, pulmonary rehab, if there's lifestyle issues they need to work on to minimize their risk a lot of different areas that people can emphasize that can only help them get better. And I think being a part of education days and support groups help them see that there are a lot of people living pretty full and active lives. And one doesn't have to just go find a place to sit down and start planning their funeral. I mean, we are living a lot. A lot of people, there's a guy with a double lung transplant that has been traveling around and it's 10 years since he had his transplant and he's still doing fine. He's traveling all over the place giving talks. So, you know, there's a lot out there right now. Now, you also host support groups. Yes, we do. And that that is also a hybrid. We do that via Zoom and also on uh, at Straub Medical Library. And everything is on our website, hawaiicopd.org. They can find information about both the support group and the education day, and they can sign up because we want to make sure no one gets left out. And if they sign up, we'll make sure there's space for them. And these resources are free. Everything's free. And we also refer people to other reliable resources because we don't have all the answers. And there are wonderful other organizations like the COPD Foundation, American Lung Association, many, many organizations that are all trying to help improve people's quality of life and quality of breathing. And this is open to all medical centers. I mean, this is not, this is not a Straub thing. This is not a Queens thing. This is, this is a Hawaii COPD coalition event yes. that happens to be in one location. But the idea is to get patients or their loved ones who have questions about these conditions to learn about it in an open forum. Yes. And they can also contact us and we're happy to try to respond as best we can. If you had to tell somebody who got diagnosed today with COPD what they should do, what advice would you give them? You've been through over two decades of learning about this. What would you tell them that they should start doing today? I think they should find out first whether they need oxygen, supplemental oxygen. If they don't need supplemental oxygen, ask their provider, are there any limitations on what I can and can't do? And would pulmonary rehabilitation help me? Um, And if it will, can you refer me? And can I start that? And can I start getting a customized, personalized exercise program so I can get 
as strong and healthy as I can. Start with the empowering. What can they do? And then talk with them about some of the challenges. You mentioned some of those today. Learn how to use your inhalers, but learn there's ways to make it easier. Yeah, and actually, there are a lot of uh, good videos on how to use your inhalers correctly. Well, and I know that I had to watch a bunch of those before I had to educate people because I was I had to learn it first. Well, I really want to thank you, Valerie Chang, for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. And the website if people want to learn more? HawaiiCOPD.org. Easy enough. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can always click on HawaiiPublicRadio.org and follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find The Body Show on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk more about health topics right here on The Body Show. And if you want to hear more about COPD and the Hawaii COPD Coalition, certainly there are some great opportunities to do that. And the conference is coming up in just a short couple of weeks, and we hope to see you there. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next Monday. Thank mm-hmm. you.